All right. Well, whose uh, idea of a good life is a dog licking in the mouth? Uh, just wonder. Just wonder. <laughs> not mine. I mean, I, I love Sadie, my dog, but uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to lick him in the mouth. Uh, we had a worship pastor at one time. He used to let his dog eat food out of his mouth, and I'm like, dude, that's messed up. Some of y'all want to gag already. But uh, hey, if you're, we're just glad you guys are here, and if you're watching online, we're glad that you're joining us today. We're talking about the good life. And, uh, and what does that look like? And that's going to be the question we're going to ask today is, what is the good life? What is, what, what is the good life? Because a lot of times, you know, maybe some of you guys were watching that video and you were thinking, man, that would be the good life, whatever it might have been. Something stood out to you and you were like, that would be the good life. You know, maybe it was uh, watching the kids bounce on the trampoline and you go, man, that was, that was the good life. That, when our kids were little, those were some great moments. Now you're just looking forward to grandkids. But the thing is, is the good life can vary and it can be different for different people. And so it may, not, it may not be what you think or what you've been trained to think. And so what the good life for you is, is going to differ in this room. It'll differ from person to person. And so, but the thing is, is oftentimes what we think is the good life is really not the good life. It's what we've been trained to think is the good life. And, uh, we, and, and so what we want to do is we want to ask God to reveal to us and to show us through this series, what is the good life? And how do I get there? You know, what, what are the steps to getting to the good life? And, and for many of us, like I said, the good life might be different things. There's, you know, there's things that maybe pop into your mind. Maybe it's like being on a beach, you know, and you're thinking, man, if I was on a, on a beach laying out in the sun, that would be the good life. You know, I didn't have to worry about anything. Or maybe for somebody else, you know, they go, but I don't like the, I don't like the beach. I like the lake. And so maybe it's, you know, being at the lake or being laying in a hammock, you know, and no worries, no, you know, nothing to do or whatever. And so we have these different views of what that might be. You know, I saw some guy working out. Maybe for you, hey, man, it's working out. You know, whatever it might be, and it differs. And here's the thing is we've got, you know, the world that's trying to sell us what it looks like. And for us, we've got to ask that question. So what does the good life look like for you? So if we were to start over here and kind of sweep around the room, I'm just telling you there would be a different mentality or a different good life depending on who we're talking to. And the computers have figured that out, you know, and those programs have figured that out because what they do is they have what we call algorithms, and you guys probably get sick of hearing that word, but what they do is they watch to see what you go to and what you spend your time on. And they, they start figuring out what they think that you really like, and they start throwing you, hitting you with advertisements, right? And uh, so, you know, you're, you're watching, you're, you go to your computer, you're going to something, and there's these advertisements that are over there that they think, hey, this person will most likely like that. And so a lot of times they, they kind of figure out by some of the things that you do that, hey, this is most likely a guy, he likes sports, or this is a guy, he likes hunting, this is a lady, she likes shoes, this is a lady, she likes clothes, or whatever. And all of a sudden, everything on your computer begins to look like what you like, and maybe they're trying to get you to think, hey, this is what you need, right? That's what happens. Is we start going, hey, well, I need that. And it's different for different people. Like I said, everybody in the room will have something different. You know, and so what we do is we, we, we start thinking, all right, if I had this, and so we start looking for those things, we start searching for those things, and before you know it, we're getting inundated with advertisements. I mean, that's, that's what sells, right, is advertising. We get people to advertise things. And, and so oftentimes what we do is we buy into thinking, all right, that's the good life. I mean, beer commercials have done this forever, right? I mean, for years, man, they have shown pictures and videos and things of what the good life is like. If you drink this beer, you will extreme the, the good life, you know, and that's the good life. That's that's what they sell. Now, they don't show you the DUIs. They don't show you the people that get murdered or, you know, in car accidents because of that. They don't show you any of that because that doesn't look like the good life. That looks like, man, that would be hell. Yes, it is. But what they sell you on is the party and that all your friends will come over because you have this kind of beer at your place. 
So they're selling you on what you think is the good life. You know, I mean, hard, you drink the right kind of hard lemonade, they pull up with a truck and put a, a pool out there. All of a sudden, hey, man, that's the good life. Is it really? You know, but that's what, that's what they sell, right? And so we start buying into that. Now, before you know it, we start thinking that, you know what, maybe that is the good life. Maybe the good life is to have everything that they, these people have or everything that this neighbor has. And so before you know it, man, we're, we're chasing that. And we want what they have because if we just had what they had, then maybe we would be satisfied. And maybe we'd feel like we have the good life. So, you know, we often think of the good life as, hey, I don't have to work. I don't have to do anything. And we've already seen in Scripture that God says working is a good thing. It's a blessing, right? That we can still move around, that we can do things. And, and we should be looking at our job as a ministry. So what we do, we work as unto the Lord. So ministry is meeting the needs of others. So I'm meeting the needs of the people around me by literally working and being the best employee I can be. And so instead of looking at my job as something that, hey, that's not part of the good life. No, no, that is part of the good life. And, and so what we have to ask is, what does the good life look like for you or for me? What does it look like for us? So the world's definition is to have all that I need and want. So it's not just what I need, but it's everything that I want. In other words, if, if I want this, boom, it's there. If I want this, it's available. You know, and, and I don't have any need whatsoever. That would be the good life for some of us. You know, we think that's it. That's what the world says. The world says that you, you don't ever have any need. And man, there's no want. But here's the thing is we know that there's no such place, right? Because we talk about it all the time. We get buyer's regret where, you know, and we, we get something. We think, well, if I ever get that, that'll be it. I'll be happy. I won't ever want anything else in my life. And you get that and you go, yeah, but I want this. You know, and, and so we live in a culture where we're, we're oftentimes we're wanting what someone else has. We think, hey, if we had their house and their land, we would be okay. We would be like, man, that's the good life. But we don't know what kind of debt they have either, right? You know, it's like when we see somebody driving a really nice truck or a car, we go, man, that's the good life. But we don't know what kind of debt they're in. And, I mean, they may be crying driving that car or that truck because they can't pay for the gas now because it's $4 a gallon. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they're, they're stressing out over that. So we think it's the good life because, it, you know, culture has told us that's the good life. If you have these things, if you have this stuff, that's the good life. But we don't know what they're going through. And we don't know what they're trying to maybe, you know, maybe they're putting a Band-Aid on something. Maybe they, they don't feel like they, you know, anybody loves them, anybody cares about them. And so, hey, I'm just going to do retail therapy. That's how I'll feel good. And so what we do is we, we buy into this definition that the world has that it's, it's everything that you need and everything that you want. But we always want something else. You know, you go buy a really nice truck and you think, man, you know, I would never spend that much money on a truck. But you go and you buy it and you think, that's it. If I just get that truck, I'll be good. And then you realize, you know what, I, you know, I, really, I really need 35-inch tires on that thing. And so you go, you go take that brand-new truck, has brand-new tires on it, and you put new tires on it. And then you go, you know, it's really not as high as I want it, so I'm going to lift it a little bit or I'm going to level it a little bit, you know, or whatever it might be. Or you go buy a new car and say, you know what, it doesn't have the tent that I want in it, so I'm going to put new tent in it. So it's like we never, ever get to that place where we say, hey, man, this is the good life. It's always just out of reach. It's always just a little bit further. Man, if I could ever go on that trip, I really wouldn't want to go anywhere else again. You go on that trip and say, you know what? This isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, but maybe that next one will be. And we're always trying to find something to fill that, that void that's there, that, that need of saying, hey, this is the good life. I've arrived. I've got it. I've got it put together. And so the world's definition is to have all that I want and need. So this new definition of need drives us to want more, buy more, and covet more. So that we can be, what this word is here is happy. And so we're always pursuing happiness, right? We're, we're chasing this, 
this, this thing called happiness. And so this new definition drives us to want more. So we do want more because, you know, there's advertisements around us and we see what other people have and it looks like a lot of fun. And we go, you know what, I want what they have, which is coveting. But we want more. We want more stuff. And oftentimes what we do is we don't even use the stuff we have. Do, you, all of y'all, do anybody in here use all the stuff that you have? Anybody? Yeah, I don't see any hands here either. You don't know say, I mean, we don't use the stuff that we have, but we're going to store it and we're going to hang on to it. You know, and, and we're going to, and we probably maybe even need another one. We got shoes we don't ever wear, but we're going to get more, another pair of shoes, right? Oh, you know, it's always something. And so we want more because somebody said, hey, you need that. Or we buy more because we think, well, you know, I might need it one day. And so I'm just going to buy it and I'm going to sit it back and I, I might need it for a rainy day type deal. And so we, we want more, we buy more, and we covet more, which is sin, so that we can be happy. So we think, hey, well, you know, if I'll do all these things, I'll be happy. And that, that's what the world sells us, you know. And, and we, oftentimes, man, we just buy that and we just eat it up. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. If I get that, I'll be okay. And I'm just telling you, man, we, we've been sold a lie. And so we spend most of our lives sometimes trying to, to buy or, or want or covet something rather than being maybe satisfied with what we have. Are okay with what we have. And so, you know what, God, I'm content with what you've blessed me with. It's not always the next good deal. It's not always, because we do, you know, we, we do retail therapy to kind of get those endorphins released, right? Or we, hey, I got a good deal on this. You didn't have to spend the money, but you wanted to tell everybody you got a good deal. So you do it and then you get to tell everybody about it. And it's like, oh man, it feels so good. And we do that, right? Not because we need it. It's because we want it and we want that feeling. And we want to kind of tell everybody how good our deal was, right? And so it's kind of some messed up stuff that goes on in our head and our heart. And if we get our heart right, then it'll change what we want. It'll change what we chase after. And it'll change what we desire. And so the new definition of need that the world tells us is that we need to, we need to want more, buy more, and covet more. There was a factory who uh, was wanting to find cheap labor. And they put this big factory in close to this small village that was an impoverished village. And they thought, you know, there's the labor. You know, we've got the resources, it's everything that we need here. And so they put this big factory there. And they go in and they, and they hire all these, these villagers to come in and work the factory. And they're cheap. It's cheap labor, you know. It's what uh, every, everybody wants. They want that cheap labor so that they can make more profit and have more money of their own. And so they hire these villagers. They come in and they... And everything's going great for three or four months. The, the factory's taken off. They're, everything's working well. And then some of the, the villagers stop showing up for work and, and end up quitting their jobs. And so the leadership of the factory goes in to meet with the uh, people and said, Hey, listen, what's going on? Why are you not coming back to work? And they're like, Well, we, we have everything we need. He said, You have everything you need? He said, Yeah, we've, we've already worked and we have everything that we need. And anyway, so the leadership goes back. And what they do, they devise a plan. They said, You know what? Got an idea. So they start sending catalogs and magazines and stuff to the people that work there. And some of the people that were working there began to realize they had all this stuff in these catalogs that they really needed. And so all of a sudden they say, you know what, we need to go back to work. And so it worked out great because they sold them on this lie that, hey, you know, you need all this stuff. And so the people said, yeah, I need all this stuff. So I need to go back to work. And it allowed the factory to make more money and the people who own the factory to get richer and richer. And so that's, that's what we buy into sometimes. Hey, I need this stuff. I've got to have this stuff. I've got to have it for me to be happy and, and for, it to, for, for me to experience the good life. There's the happy. And so we long for deep things like love, joy, and peace. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're a believer. It doesn't matter if you don't know God at all. Every human desires these things. We all desire love, right? 
Because everybody wants to be loved by somebody, and we want somebody to love. You know, and, and so we, we want that. It's a desire of ours. It's, it's, it's in us. Man, we're wired that way. We're created for relationships. We're created for worship. And so when we, when we worship, we're loving on God, right? We're loving on Him. We're, we're celebrating who He is. The song, the worship this morning was incredible. You know, and those songs were powerful, and we're singing those back to God, so we're loving on God. So we, we all have this, this desire in us, this need within us to love, and, and then joy. We want joy. We want joy to be, you know, man, it, puts, it puts a smile on my face. We're, we're not just happy. We're, we're joy because happiness is kind of superficial, but joy goes all the way to the soul. Joy is something that cannot be taken away. And it doesn't matter if you're in prison or jail or whatever it might be. Like Apostle Paul, he still had joy. He still sang, sang hymns and, and celebrated who God was in the midst of a jail cell. And so joy and then peace. I mean, all of us want peace. And I'm not talking about just world peace. Right now, everybody's talking about world peace because of what's going on in Ukraine. But the thing is, is we all want peace. And that peace is a, a lack of man, turmoil and chaos and tension and drama and all that. And so we go, man, I'd love to have peace. But yet we, we keep buying into this mentality that, hey, you know what, we... We need stuff, and so there's not enough money, you know, to buy the stuff. So I've got to work harder to get more money so I can buy the stuff. And, and so that's what we start buying into, and there's no real peace there. It's almost anxiety. And we wonder why in our culture there's such a, an epidemic of anxiety and depression because people are anxious about, hey, do I have enough money to make it through the end of the month? Hey, man, what's going to happen? And there's, there's really no peace in their life. And like I said, and I would just say that's, that's believers and and non-believers, people who don't believe in God, don't believe in Jesus, don't have a relationship with Him, they wrestle with those things. They want those things. They desire those things. But there's lots of Christians who, to me, you would think would go, you know what, man, that's, that's not a need in my life. I've got that through Jesus Christ. I've got that through a relationship with Him. But we see so many Christians who are wrestling with the same things that those who don't know God wrestle with. So we try to take hold of these things through money, materialism, popularity, pleasure, and ease of life. So we try to get we try to get these things like love, joy, and peace. We try to get them through money. Well, if I had more money, you know, then then somebody would love me. If I had more money, then I could do things for people. Maybe they would love me. And so it's always about, hey, man, I'm going to get those through money. And so maybe that or materialism. If I had stuff, people would want to come over to my house. They're just going to use you. But you know, that's our mentality. Hey, man, if I had this stuff, maybe people would want to be around me. And so we try to find those things through there. Popularity. You know, we, we think, well, man, if I was just popular, you know, and popularity is quickly fading. You know, it, it, sometimes we can get it quick and we can lose it quick. And we see celebrities, you know, that they, uh, you know, they, they, they were popular. And you're like, whatever happened to them? They just kind of disappear. You know, they were popular. They were all over things. And then they just kind of disappear. And we even have, you know, songs that are popular briefly. Maybe that band has a one-hit wonder is what they call it. You know, and so that one song does really well. They make tons of money. And it's like, dude... I don't even know who did that song. Who did that song? Because their popularity just was quick. It was brief. It was gone. And in this culture that we live in, this cancel culture, man, your popularity can end with, you know, with one, one, one uh, post or whatever. And all of a sudden, somebody doesn't like you. You like something that they don't like. And all of a sudden, hey, man, your popularity goes down the drain, right? Which Jesus dealt with that, right? Jesus, you know, he, he didn't do everything based on popularity. If you go back and read his teachings, man, his teachings were hard. I mean, he's telling them, hey, listen, man, if you're going to follow me, there's a lot involved. And people are going, man, what? this is a hard teaching, Jesus. And he goes, yeah, it's a hard teaching. I'm not offering you a, a bed of roses. I'm offering you life. I'm offering you the good life. 
But, and, but the people were like, man, this is a hard teaching. And it was hard. And Jesus wasn't popular in the day with a lot of people. A crowd crucified him, right? The mob crucified him. And so popularity doesn't get you there. Jesus, who I would say is the only perfect human that has ever walked this, this planet, you would think, or he was perfect. And so obviously, you know, popularity worked for him, but it didn't. And then pleasure, you know, oftentimes we think, well, if I just do this, this will make me feel good for a moment or so, and then I'll, I'll, it'll be better. And whatever that might be, maybe it's a drug, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's, you know, something, some addiction that you have, or maybe it's just, you know, cheating or something like that on your spouse, whatever it could be. You think that pleasure for the moment is going to be okay. I think about some of the young couples and young families in in this day and age, you know, our culture says, hey, it's okay to be sexually permissive, you know, in, in this culture, because that's what everybody's doing. But God's word says, hey, listen, that's not good. That's actually outside of the parameters. And I want to bless you, but I cannot bless and won't bless that. But we're going, well, that's what everybody else says. And if pleasure is, is okay, if it feels good, do it. It's kind of the mentality, right? So we think, well, pleasure will get me there. But it doesn't lead to the good life. It oftentimes leads to counseling. It leads to broken hearts. And it leads to regret. And then ease of life. We just think, man, if, if I just didn't have to worry about anything, if I didn't have to go to work, if I didn't have to do anything... That would get it. I don't know if you guys realize this, but a lot of times whenever you don't work, you don't have money to pay the bills and stuff, and it brings up a little bit of anxiety. You know what I'm saying? And so work is a good thing. Work is a positive thing. And so if we see it the way God sees it, then work can be a blessing. So you can't get better than what God has said is good. So God says something is good, then it's good, right? But what we often do is we want something better. We're, we're We're always looking for the next good thing, the next best thing, the next great thing. And so... You can't get better than what God has said is good. So if God says something is good, then we go, you know, all right, he created me. He knit you together. He knit me together. He shaped us. He formed us in the mother's womb. So he knows everything about me. And when he says, hey, Mike, this is good, then I need to listen to what he's saying because he's the creator, right? He, cre- he spoke this world into existence. God says, hey, this is a good thing. Then we need to listen to that. And oftentimes what the world is telling us is just the opposite of what God says. And so too often what we do is we buy into what the world says is good rather than what God says is good because we go, you know what, but this is what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. This is what God says. So God's Word, we need to know what God's Word says. This, this book is a blueprint for life. And so if I do the teachings that are in it, if I follow what God says is good, I'm just telling you my life is blessed. My relationships are strong and they're healthy. You know, and it doesn't mean that it is a safe place, but it means it's the best place. And so you can't get better than what God has, has said is good. So let's look back at Genesis, the very beginning of Scripture here. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was what? Good. The light drives out the darkness. Then he separated the light from the darkness. And so God says that the light was good. Now, I don't know about you guys, but like this past week has been incredible weather-wise. Would you agree? I mean, it's just beautiful, man. You're, you're sitting there going, it's incredible. And so the, the sunshine, man, it's, it's, it's there. Like I walked out this morning to take Sadie out uh, this morning, and I was like, man, this feels like a summer morning. You know, now we all know Easter's on its way, so there's going to be another frost probably come in and kill everything. But that's just kind of how, you know, how it works sometimes. But the thing is, is light is good. So we would say, man, sunshine is good. 
if you've ever you know gone through a season where it's dark and it's cloudy and and man the sun comes through it's like man it's just like something good and it's because god said it's good he created it that way god called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the first day and so we would say you know that's good so a day just a day can be a good day this morning I was walking around talking to some people saying, man, it's going to be a good day. And they would often say, it's already a good day. And it is because God's given, he, he woke us up today, right? He put, he put air in our lungs. He put breath in our lungs. And, and so it's a good day. Some of us have already been able to hug our kids. And some of us have already been able to kiss our spouse. It's been a good day, right? And so if we look at it and we say, you know, God, you gave us a day. It's a good day. And we begin to look at things the way that God looks at things instead of the way that the world looks at things. We go, it's a blessing. It's a good day. And so God gave us, gave us the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve had what was good. We would all say that, that they, had, they had it good. That was paradise, if you will. They had everything they ever wanted. They walked around naked, no shame. You know, I mean, some of you guys are like, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You know, just to be able to do that. You know, and so it, it was beautiful. Everything was incredible. So some of y'all maybe probably want to go to a nude beach or something. I don't know, but I'm just saying, you think, I mean, that was paradise. And everybody says that's paradise, but that's the way it was. But here's the thing. What it was, it was the absence of sin that they, they literally invited in. But it was, it was a paradise. It was beautiful. And so Adam and Eve had what was good. Most of us would say that was good. They had a right relationship with God the Father. They walked around in the cool of the day talking to him. They had everything. I mean, they had everything. They, they worked a garden. That was it. It says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for food. In other words, he said, listen, man, the grocery store is all around you. you know, and whenever the doctor says, hey, are you eating you know, however many helpings of fruits and uh, vegetables, you'd be like, yes. Some of you have to say that, could say that for the first time in a long time, right? When you go into the doctor, you, you'd be able to say, yeah. But that's what they had. They had everything that God had created around them. He says, and I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds of the, in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has, that has life. And that is what happened. And then look at this. And then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was what? Very good. So when we look at creation, and we look around us, and we go, you know what? Man, God did a great work. It's good. He said it's good. He said it's very good. And so too often what we do is we don't look at what God has blessed us with and go, this is good. We, we, we're not satisfied. You know, satis satisfaction is, is a good thing. And too often we're not content with a circumstance. We're not content with what we have. We always want something more. It's kind of like a little kid. You know, he can have all the toys over here and one kid can get something and he wants what that kid has. Because it's just not his yet, Right? And that's greed, that's coveting, that's whatever. It doesn't have to be taught. That's sin. Sin is there. We don't have to teach our kids how to be bad. They know how to do that already, right? We have to teach them to do what's right. We have to teach them to have manners. We have to teach them to share. We have to teach them those things. And I know some of you are going, oh, no, my, not my baby. I'm just telling you, your baby has a corrupt heart just like everybody else that was born. I mean, I'm just telling you, we're all broken. And we're all in need of a Savior. And your baby needs Jesus, I'm just telling you. And so you need to live out your faith in, in a way, and so hopefully one day he or she will put their faith in Christ. But God looked and saw that it was good. And so here's what happens sometimes, is we often tr want to trade what is good for something that might be, might be great. In other words, we have what is good, but we want to trade it for something that might be great. In other words, it, it, it's all, the grass is always greener 
somewhere else, right? Over the fence, over, over the thing. You know, and, you know, the old joke is it's probably over the septic tank is the reason it's green over there. But what we do is we, we want what someone else has. And we think, well, this is what I've got, but it's not as much as what they've got. Or this is what I've got, but it's not as good as what they have. And if I just had that house at the beach, or if I had that house in the mountains, or if I had that car or that truck, or if I had that wife or that husband, or if I had those kids, then maybe life would be the good life for me. And so what we're doing is we're, we're coveting, we're wanting, we're desiring something that's not ours. We're not okay with what we have. We're always greedy. We're always hungry for something more. We're always coveting, which is sin, what someone else has. So we want to trade what is good for something that might be great, might be. And, and we don't know if it is, but we, we, it sure looks like it is. And maybe the advertisement that Satan is throwing our way, that the enemy is throwing our way, makes us feel like that's the direction I need to go. That would be so much better. That's the direction that I need to be walking towards. So the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals and, uh, animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So in other words, he's putting that little question mark of doubt. He's putting that question in there in the mind. And he does the same thing to us. Well, maybe I don't have the good life. Maybe if I had what someone else had, maybe it would be the good life. Of course, we may eat f- fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So here's the thing. So Eve knows what God has said, right? So Eve says, hey, God said, so she knows what God has said. And just like many of us in this room, we know what God has said. We just still choose something different than what God has said. Even though we know that what God says is good, is the best. What she's saying, hey, listen, I know what God has said. And many of us in this room, we know that materialism, we know that stuff is not going to satisfy us. If it would, why is it that so many... You know, celebrities and millionaires and people like that who have everything that we think that we want take their lives. Why is it that they are still searching whenever they seem to have everything that we would desire, but yet they're still not content and they're still not happy? Satan says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So what he does, he lies to her, right? He plants that lie. He says, you won't die. You won't die. And she begins to question the God who has given her everything that is good. And she begins to listen to him. So God's good is always best. So obviously... When we look at Eden and we look at the Garden of Eden, we go, you know what, man, that was, that was as good as it gets. Right relationship with God, no sin, you know, no, no issues. Had everything that they needed, had everything that they, they wanted at that point. And, and so you go, you know what, they had God. That was the most important thing. They had God. They had a relationship with God. They walked around. They had conversations with Him. But sin came in and, and the serpent kept saying, hey, listen, it could be great. It could be better. It could be better than what God has. But what God gives us as good is always the best. And so when God says, hey, listen, I've given you this. I've, I've blessed you with this. I've provided you with this. But we go, you know what, God, this is not what I wanted. I wanted something more. I wanted something different. And we're just like Eve, we listen. You know, and so here's the thing. Eve, she sees that you know, the fruit is good. She takes the fruit. 
She sins. She invites sin in. You know, she gives it to Adam. Adam wasn't the spiritual leader he was supposed to be. He should have been protecting her. He should have beat that snake down and got it out. You know what I'm saying? But instead, he literally gives into the same thing. And then all of a sudden, they're ashamed. And they're trying to cover up their, their nakedness. They're hiding from God because they know that, you know what, they've sinned. They bought the lie. And, and so there's, there's brokenness there. There's a brokenness in this, this paradise, if we would. And so God's good is always the best. Like I said, it may not be the safest. There's times whenever God says, hey, listen, this is the best. He gives you something to do. And, and, and let's kind of unpack that. What is, what is God's best? What does that look like? So the enemy always wants to lead us away from God's best. That's his job. You know, he wants to lie to us. He wants to sell us on something. And he tells, hey, listen, step outside of God's parameters, and I'm telling you, it'll be better. God doesn't want what's best for you. And all of a sudden, we begin to believe that, and so we step outside of God's promise to save ourselves until we're married. Or we step outside of our marriage vows, our marriage covenant. Or are we, are we steal something that we know is not ours. And we steal that even though we know, you know what, that's sin. Or are we lust after someone else's spouse. Even though we know that is sin. And so we begin to buy this lie. And so the enemy always wants to lead us away from God's best. What God says, hey, this is, this is what I have blessed you with. This is your best. But, we, but the enemy is always going to try to lead us away from what is God's best. Even our time with God, he always tries to keep us too busy to meet with God. The enemy will fill our minds with a lie. He tells you a lie. You know, and that's his job. He wants, to, he wants to rob you. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your influence. He wants to do everything he can to, to just destroy you. That's what he does. And Jesus even said this in John 10, 10. He said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to what? Is to give them a rich and satisfying life, which sounds like a good life. Jesus wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. Now, you might be... You might be measuring that, that statement right there by the world standard. And you go, all right, rich, that must mean a lot of money. That must mean a lot of stuff. That must mean a big house. That must mean, you know, vacations everywhere. That must, that's what Jesus must be talking about. And if you're looking at it through the lens of the world, then you know what? That's what you would come up with. But that's not what Jesus is offering there. And, and, and so the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we know that. That's his job is to lead us away from what God says. Hey, this is the good life. This is the best life, a right relationship with the Father through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, by faith. And then believing that to the point, you know what? God changed me from the inside out. God, help me to be content in every circumstance. God, help me to be okay with what you've given me. And God, help me to see it as, as a, that I'm a steward, I'm a manager, and I'm using it to be a blessing to other people. So God changed the way that I think. And so Jesus is saying here, hey, the enemy wants to lead you towards death and destruction. But Jesus wants to give us a satisfying life. I like the way the message says it here. He says, I came so that they have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. Remember we were talking about, hey, what do you think of? Well, if some of y'all were dreaming, y'all were sitting back there going, out, you know, I know where, I, where the good life would be for me. You done zoned out. You know, you're there. And so here what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, man, I can give you better than you can even dream of. And we all have good imaginations, right? We think about what it could be. But Jesus said, hey, listen, I can give you something better than any of that stuff that the world's selling you. I can give you the best. And so God's definition is Jesus is all that I need. Jesus is all that I need. Now, some of you in here may be going, or maybe some of you watching online are going, Mike, are you sure? I mean, because I was thinking the good life would be a lot of stuff and a lot of money and a lot of whatever. But Jesus said, that stuff doesn't matter. It's just a tool. 
But in this world that we live in, man, that's, that's what everybody's after. And so Jesus says, hey, listen, man, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He, he didn't have a house. You know, people are talking about following. He goes, you going to come follow me? He goes, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Doesn't have a house. You know, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Hey, the Son of Man doesn't have any of that. He didn't have the, you know, the latest, greatest chariot either. I don't know if y'all noticed that. He did ride a donkey one time to fulfill Scripture. But he didn't have the, the latest and greatest. But Jesus, God says, hey, man, that's all you need. If you get him, you get everything. And all this stuff that we see the world is trying to find, like love and joy and peace, they're, they're doing everything they can to try to find that. And they think that money or stuff or, you know, I guess maybe accomplishing things is going to get them that. And they don't realize that it's available to them. And it's available to me and you every day. We don't even have to go anywhere. Love, joy, and peace. That's kind of like the big three. I look back and I look at the disciples and like Apostle Paul and even Peter whenever they're sitting in prison and they're in prison for the gospel because they've been sharing the hope of the world. And they're sitting there and they're singing songs of, you know, of praise to God. They're worshiping Him. And so they were loving on God. And they had joy because they knew that they were doing what God had called them to do. And they had peace. You know what? Hey, if, if, if we lose our life, we lose our life. But, you know, our last breath here is our first breath in heaven. They were good with that. They didn't have stuff, but man, they had love, joy, and peace. And so God's definition is that Jesus is all we need. So we're living the good life when we surrender everything for what God created us for. And so when we get to the point and we go, you know, God, I want to give you my life. I want to give you everything. And so I've said this before, there's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as it doesn't own you. And it's not your God and it's not your idol and it's not more important than your relationship with God. So God will use that to be a blessing to the people around you. He'll use you as a blessing. And so God gives people the gift of, of giving so that they can give and so that they can meet the needs of the people around them. So God uses us in that way, right? But we're, when we surrender everything for what create, God created us for. So the good life is me, number one, knowing what God created me for. So, and, and, and that comes from me spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in His presence. God, what have you created me for? God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do through me? And there's some of you that are here, you're going, man, I just want to know my purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And, and, and we've got to find that. You know, God, what is my purpose? What are you calling me to do? What have you equipped me to do? What have you prepared me to do? And too often what we've done, we've spent all of our energy, effort, and resources chasing the things of this world rather than the thing that God has created you to do. And when we find out what that is, man, I'm telling you, that's the good life. So that way we know His good pleasing and perfect will and when we're in his good pleasing and perfect will we're in the best place because what god says is good is the best right and so we we got to be willing to surrender everything to that and so one thing we know is loving god and loving others that's god's will right so whenever i live my life i live in a way that shows that i love god i love god i love jesus i love his son and i love him so much because he lo- he first loved me and if, and if we love God, here's the thing, we're going to love other people. And so what does that look like? Loving God is worship. You know, we, we come here, we sing songs to Him, we worship Him, and we just want to put our arms around His neck and say, God, I love You so much because You love me so much. But it also is, God, thank You for my job. God, You gave me this job to go out and be an influence and to make a difference and, to, and, and literally to tell people about You. So, God, thank You for loving me enough to give me a job to go out and provide for my family. 
and to, and to literally be an influence wherever I go. So God, so that's loving on God is using all that. And then loving others, what does that look like? It means to forgive them. If you love someone, then you forgive them just as God has forgiven you. you got, God, you love me. You redeem me. You have forgiven me. And so God, I'm asking you to forgive me. God, help me to love other people and forgive them. God, help me to forgive them. And so loving God and loving others, that's one thing we, we experience. And here's another, serving God and serving others. And these two really work hand in hand. They work together. So serving God. So what does it look like to serve God? A lot of you might say, well, you know, hey, I serve as an usher, I serve as a greeter, or I serve on the tech team or the praise team. You know, you're using that to serve God. And that's awesome. And that's one part of it. But it's also serving your spouse. You get up and you serve your spouse. You know what you're doing? You're serving God. You know, you get up and you serve your kids. You do things from them. Now, not enable them. There's a difference. You serve them by teaching them to be responsible adults, to go out into work and to, and to maintain a job and to, and to live with integri- integrity and character. You teach them the things of God's Word, and hopefully one day they will, they will return to that teaching. And so that is our job, right? So how do I serve God? By serving my spouse and serving my children, serving my community, serving my church. So serving is, is saying, God, here's my life. I've, I've surrendered it to you, God, so I'm serving you as I'm serving others. And it's caring for our neighbors, caring for those around us who have need. We don't have to bow down to the world's methods to experience the truly good life. I love that. We don't have to sell out and buy into everything that the world is selling. We can choose to be different. And here's the thing. We're called to be different as believers. We're called to be set apart. We're called to be holy people. We're called to chase after God. We're called to that. It's not to chase everything in this world. It's not to want everything in this world. It's not to desire the things of this world, but it's to desire the things of God. There should be a hunger and desire in every one of us that are believers to know Jesus a little bit more, a little bit better today than yesterday. And to know His plans and know His will and know His desires. And we do that by spending time in His Word, spending time in prayer, spending time in His presence. Me and Paul knew what it was like. He knew what, what, was, what was God's best. I love this. So in verse 5 it says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever, ever was one. So here's Paul saying, hey, listen, this is my resume. These are my credentials. This is what I've got. And so he's talking about this and he's throwing out there. And so a lot of people are impressed you know, it's like if I were to start rolling off all the things I've accomplished that might have been might have been good, praiseworthy in this world. That's what Paul is doing. He's throwing those out there. And a lot of people are like, wow, you know. But look, look at where Paul goes. I love this. He says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He, he said, man, I was strict. I, 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 did, I followed every letter of the law. He's talking about a good dude. It's a good dude right here. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. In other words, he said, man, he said, I was all about it. I, I gave it my best. I gave it everything. I was a 110% guy. And that's what I did. Even to the point of persecuting the church. And he said, I obeyed the law. And I was there. Now, verse 7 says, I once thought these things were valuable. Now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He said, all that stuff was important one time. And I'm just telling you, there's some of you in the room today. You're going, you know what? All that stuff is important, Mike. But I'm praying that there's going to be a day where you go, you know what? That stuff doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is what I do with Jesus. What matters is what Christ has done for me. 
What matters is how I live out my faith. What matters is how I share my faith. What matters is what kind of witness am I for Christ. That's what matters in the grand scheme of things because that is eternal. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, everything else, nothing else comes close. And I would just say that to us. You know, do we, do we look at our life and do we go, man, all this stuff that I have, the cars, the house, the clothes, the shoes, whatever it might be. Do we go, you know, that stuff is worthless. It doesn't matter compared to the infinite knowledge of knowing Christ. Because here's the thing, that is our definition that we've got to look at today. And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. What He's saying, hey, listen, man, it's, it's not me being religious. It's not me doing all these things. It is what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus died for my sins. He bled out His precious blood to pay for my greed, for my coveting, for my envy. I mean, that's what Jesus died for. So I'm not going to continue to live in it. I'm not going to continue and embrace it. But I'm going to focus on what Jesus did. He paid so that I could be set free from that sin. And so whenever we, man, we focus on who Christ is, what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, this is what Jesus did. And look at this last part. It's for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Depends on faith. It's faith. It's not works. It's not deeds. It's by faith and faith alone. So we've got to have that mentality that Paul had. He got it. He said, it's not about earning it. It's not about trying to get it there. It's about just trusting Jesus. It's about putting my faith, my confidence, my hope in who Christ is. And here's, here's the next step for today. Just one. Decide which definition I choose to believe for the good life. I think Jesus said the same thing in Revelation. He said, hey, listen, make a decision. Are you going to chase the things of this world? Is that what you're going to be about? He said, the man go whole, wholehearted at it. Be hot for the world. Are you the hot for the kingdom? He said, one or the other. None of this lukewarm stuff. Don't, don't, don't straddle the fence. Don't say, hey, I'm, man, I'm, I'm, I'm living for Jesus, but you're living like hell. He's like, man, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. He said, that stuff makes me want to vomit. makes me want to puke. He says, what I'm looking for is someone who says, hey, listen, I'm all in, Jesus. I surrender everything. I give you my life. That's what God's looking for. And I'm, I'm just telling you, I believe that God's calling some of us in this room today to repentance and say, you know what? It's not about this stuff. It's about Jesus, and it's about the kingdom of God, and it's about what matters for eternity. Paul said it in that passage there. He said, all this stuff that I used to think was so important, he said, I consider it garbage. Garbage. In some translations, he even calls it dumb. This, this, is, this doesn't matter. This is not important. What matters is Jesus and what he did. My faith in Jesus, that's what matters most. And so what is it that God has shown you today? Maybe, you're, maybe your ladder's been against the wrong wall all this time. You've been living your life. You've been trained to think by all the commercials and maybe even your family to say, hey, listen, this is what matters. You need to grow up and you need to make a lot of money and you need to make sure that you got all this stuff. That's what will lead to happiness. And so maybe your parents or maybe your grandparents or whoever has taught you that. Maybe the world has taught you that that's how you get there. But God says, hey, listen, it's a lie. I can give you eternal life. And Jesus even said, I'll give you this abundant life now, here and now. Better than you could ever dream. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you just ask yourself today, which decision, I mean, which definition am I really living out? I know which one is truth, but which one am I really living out? And so maybe you're here today and it's time for a decision. Like Jesus said, hey, choose one or the other. There may be some of you here in this room that, man, you, you want those things that I talked about earlier, like love, joy, and peace. You desire those things. Maybe you're watching online. You go, Mike, that's me, man. I'm, 
I want somebody to love me. God loves you. God wants to work in you. He wants to put joy in the core of who you are. He wants to give you peace that passes understanding. And you know, you know what, that is a need. You've been trying everything in this world to feel that and to find that. But I'm just telling you, it's not anything you earn. It's not anything you buy. It's what you receive as a gift. It's the gift of salvation by faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And so maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and you realize today, Mike, I need Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity just to accept that gift. And here's the thing. It's a decision that you make in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my life. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me for I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. Jesus, will you forgive me? His answer is yes. Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to repent. I want to turn to you. So, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? With all the faith that I have, I believe that you can change me. If you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus. Anybody in the room? Just raise your, I see your hand right back here. I see your hand right back here. Praise God. Hey, welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the family of God. He loves you. And you are loved. And if that prayer was sincere, you're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're adopted into his family. Praise God. If you did that online, man, text us, message us, let us know. We want to walk with you. We want to put a Bible in your hand. What they just went from was death unto life. And God says that's a good thing. That's a good thing. In just a minute, our worship team is going to lead us in a song. And I really believe that God is calling some people to repentance in this room today. So as the worship team is going to lead us, I want to give you the opportunity to just come to the altar. Maybe if you're online, just get down by the couch and you repent of the sin of coveting, of greed, of jealousy of envy materialism you say God I'm tired of chasing that God I want to repent of that I want to turn to you I want to ask everybody across the room our prayer prayer team will be here at the front everybody just stand up if you would just everybody stand you respond as the Holy Spirit leads the worship team will lead us and the altar is here just go lay some things down on the altar maybe there's some idols that you need to lay down let that be your decision today You do what the Lord leads you to do.